Hi guys, this is our third podcast, and today we're meeting with Jessica Lundquist, who's a professor of civil and environmental engineering at the University of Washington. So Jessica, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, how'd you get into the STEM field? Let's start with that. How'd you get into the STEM field? Well, okay, so I grew up in California, and I never planned to go into the STEM field at all. Basically, um, as a little girl, like my first goal was to grow up to be a princess. Then I discovered that you couldn't grow up to be a princess, and there were very few princes you could marry in the world. And so I thought this was just not going to work out. So then my next plan was, okay, what's the closest thing to a princess? I'd be the first female president of the United States. It seemed kind of like a princess. And I got a little bit older, and I realized being president of the United States is nothing like being a princess whatsoever. <laughs> and I did not want that job either. So I said, okay, now what am I going to do? Um, and I loved hiking in Yosemite. That was my favorite mm-hmm. thing. Mountains of Sierra Nevada, Yosemite yep. National Park. My favorite thing is when my family went camping and hiking. So I said, okay, what can I do in life only just go hiking in Yosemite National Park? And um, I like to read John Muir. And, mm-hmm. send, and I said, okay, I'll be a park ranger, right? Park rangers get to go hiking. From princess to president <laughs> to park ranger. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> so... Um, so if you read my high school yearbook, it says Jessica was going to um, Jessica was going to grow up and live in Yosemite, and that was solid plan. That was my solid plan. Um, and so I was a bit confused. You know, what should you do if your goal in life is to live in Yosemite? I said, mm-hmm. well, study environmental science, right? That okay, sounds yeah. That sounds good. And so um, I went to undergrad at UC Davis mm-hmm. in California and studied um, just general environmental studies. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was summer, I was 18, I managed to get a job um, in concessions in Yosemite. So I was surfing people hamburgers. <laughs> and I was living in Yosemite, and I got to go hiking every weekend. I was very happy, except I kept annoying the people at the concession agency because I was supposed to serve people hamburgers. And I kept <laughs> giving them advice about hiking and waterfalls. And <laughs> I said, no, no, no. Deterring from the job. <laughs> <laughs> you are not focused. Yeah. <laughs> so the next summer, I managed to get a... Um, get a job as an intern as an interpretive park ranger mm-hmm. um they had a program for undergrads at that time and so I got to take people on nature walks but at the same time I also um also got sick mm-hmm. um and um it was basically a sort of complicated immune dysfunction thing the the results were 50% of the people would get better 50% work wouldn't okay. they didn't know and the average amount of time people were sick was um, three years. And the doctor said that you, what you should do is you should not um, go to high elevation because it kept anything that triggered yeah. your immune system, you just get mm-hmm. worse. Um, and so, you know, Yosemite National Park, the mountains, was not high an elevation anymore. Not an option. What on earth are you going to do? And, um, and so I was really like, completely confused and lost and um, first I looked around and um, said you know at that point I had switched to kind of a nature writing so it's really a literature major it was mm-hmm. more liberal arts I was writing and um, and then I took I took a class because I wanted to write like John Muir so it was sort of the the softer side of environmental yeah. studies it wasn't really hard engineering at all um, and I took a class in oceanography mm-hmm. where they had Alvin diving and seeing all the hydrothermal vents. Mm-hmm. And that looked really cool. Yeah. Like, oceanography is at sea level, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor said I was at sea level. So I went and met with my teacher after class and I explained the situation. I said, I want to be an oceanographer. He says, What are you majoring in? And I said, Well, this 
nature literature major, mm-hmm. and he he just laughed at me and he said, well, you know, the oceanography is a real science. It's not yeah. going to work. I said, well, tell me what can I major in? I need to do real science. And he said, well. You could major in physics, or maybe if it doesn't work out to major in physics, then you could go major in atmospheric sciences because motions of the atmosphere are kind of like motions of the ocean, and you could do something like that. Okay. And I said, okay. So I went, and at that point I was in my junior year as an undergrad, so I've been there quite a while. Yeah. And um, and so I wandered over to the physics department and talked to their student advisor. Mm -hmm. Their student advisor... um, there, she, she looked at me and she said, you know, you've been taking all these literature classes. I see yeah. you, you took calculus your first year, but you only took the first calculus. And I really don't think you should be a physics major. You should not be here. So I was like, okay. So I wandered over to atmospheric science mm-hmm. and talked to their advisor. Turned out that at Davis at that time, the atmospheric science department had zero women in the whole department. Hmm. They had no female students. They had no female professors. I think they might have had one female grad student. I'm not sure. Oh my god. Um, and they took one look at me and they're like, and they were also a tiny, tiny major. And they're like, please come be an atmospheric scientist. <laughs> I said, okay, I really want to be an oceanographer. Like, go prepare you to be an oceanographer. <laughs> so I became an atmospheric scientist. Wow. That, wow. Okay, wow. That's really interesting. Like, <laughs> this isn't what you meant to ask. No, that's no. That's the story true. of how I became in STEM. Like, yeah, that's really interesting. So, like, what has your experience been like now being in STEM as a woman? Um, well, so the interesting thing at that point, when I switched to atmospheric science, um, up until that point, I really was, I mean, I'd been kind of sick as an undergrad, yeah. and then in my high school, I hadn't, you know, the kids had all, you know, the kids had all said, oh, Jessica Smart, um, yeah. hands away, and so it hadn't been very popular. Suddenly, starting atmospheric science, I was the only girl in the whole class, like, the odds were really in my favor. I started getting asked out on dates. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great way to get dates, guys. <laughs> Join the male-dominated field. Get the odds in your favor. <laughs> Which was interesting. That was a complete <laughs> shift. From what you had experienced before. Mm-hmm. It's pretty solid. Um, and I definitely, um, and I definitely liked it. I didn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't realized. Um, I started taking all the prerequisites at the same time as yeah. the classes that they were prerequisites for so I could graduate on time which worked well for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I did a um, undergrad research experience at Woods Hole um, Institution of Oceanography on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where I was doing air-sea interactions, so mm-hmm. atmospheric science and um, oceanography at the same time. And that was fun. And then when I came back, I applied to go to grad school at Scripps Institution of Oceanography um, and I started doing a master's degree okay. on um, air-sea interaction. So I was studying coastal fog, which San Diego, you actually can see a fair bit of yeah. coastal fog coming mm-hmm. in all the time down there. Um, at the end of my first year, my advisor left. Oh, no. So I had no advisor. And so I had to look Was your advisor a male or female? He was male. Okay. Um, and he got a job running the Met office in UK so I couldn't follow him yeah he was leaving and so I had to look around to see who could be my advisor at that point and um, at that point um, I had actually gotten better I was able to go in the mountains again Mm -hmm. and I noticed that at Scripps they happened to have the USGS office 
which USGS does stream flow, and there mm. was a picture in the magazine of two guys in Yosemite National Park. And I was lucky enough at that point, I had a fellowship that went with me, not with my advisor, so I was free grad student, no one had to pay for me. Oh, okay. So I went over and told these guys, hey, my advisor's leaving, I don't have anyone to work with, but I'm funded, you don't even have to pay me, and I want to work in Yosemite. So I got a PhD in oceanography, studying mm-hmm. streams in Yosemite National Park. I got to live there and go hiking every summer. Yay! You got eventually you got what you wanted. <laughs> I eventually got what I wanted in a very roundabout. Yeah. Well, at least it all way. came together. It all came together. Yeah. yeah. So and that's that's the story, not of just how that was just the story of how I got here, which is mm-hmm. different from what you asked before. Um, well, I guess we could go into like the obstacles and hardships that you face. Like I remember when we like emailed mm-hmm. before, you talked about reconciling society's stereotypes of what it means to be a female yeah. and what it means to be like a professional in science and engineering. Yeah. And you gave a few anecdotes. So did you want to like reiterate that? Yeah, I can tell. Because I think yeah, what you worded the question that one you asked. Yeah, what were the sort of the hardships mm-hmm. of at different stages yeah. of your career? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned something about like at 13, 14, and then you got into yeah. at 17. So, yeah, you know. so um, so I, um, st- to start out, like my mother skipped me ahead, um, so I was younger than everyone else. So, okay. um, yeah, I was um, first grade, they said, you know, she's reading, she's too smart, let's put her in second grade. So they moved me ahead. Which then meant I was smaller and slower than else. So I was always the last yeah. one chosen on the teams. So by the time I got to junior high, they were starting, you know, they had programs of let's recognize women in science and engineering. Yeah. Not women, but let's just recognize mm-hmm. the students. So they would have, you know, the annual assembly and they'd give out, you know, and here's our best student in math and here's our best student in science. And um, I was not popular mm-hmm. at the time, junior high. <laughs> horrible time to not be popular, right? Yeah. Your whole goal is please look like the other people so no one will uh, steal my glasses and throw them across the field or put gum in my hair, which was things that happened to me. Um, and so my mom, um, after the ceremony where they gave me the awards, was like, you know, Jessica, it's, it's kind of embarrassing watching you get all these awards. I don't think people, people like it because you win too many awards and mm-hmm. you can't let people know how smart you are. Yeah. You don't have a lot of friends, and you need to make sure you don't let people know how smart you are. So your mom said? Yep. <laughs> I, think, I mean, I would say on the same token, my mom was very supportive. I don't mm-hmm. think she wanted me not, she didn't want me not to be good at mm-hmm. science and engineering. She just also wanted me to have friends. Yeah. And her experience is that... I guess it was, like, that, hard to have both. Is that you should be smart, but you should hide it. <laughs> you should just yeah. not let anyone know... How smart you are. How did you feel about that? I, I mean, I would say it was, I felt like I wasn't allowed to be who I was, right? That, okay. like, and that was kind of the overall experience of junior high. I mm-hmm. thought, like, this was the world of trying to be a chameleon, right? You just want to yeah. blend in and look mm-hmm. like your surroundings. 100%, and, yeah. And whatever everyone else looks like you want to yeah, I mean, I just got out of high school like, two years ago. I'm totally understanding what you're <laughs> yeah. You just want to blend in, and if you do, I mean, for me, it was being good at math and science. Yeah. That made me look different than the other kids. Mm-hmm. If I had been too tall, I would have wanted to be shorter. <laughs> yeah, it's always like like me. I want straight hair, but I have curly. Everyone always wants Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> and I think my mom did not mean it as I'm not encouraging you. Oh, yeah. It was more a you need to blend in. You don't want to stand out. The fact that they're singling you out to give you awards is mm-hmm. marking you as a target for bullies, right? Yeah. Um, 
you need to blend in and hide. That makes sense. So how did that like change at graduate school? So you said that there was like a turn of events that happened for you. So can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So I think, I mean that, I mean it's different. So it, my whole life has been trying to, um, you know trying to reconcile who I am with how I fit in society, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a girl who's good at math and science, and also my first goal in life was to be a princess, right? Like, I was not an atypical yeah. young woman, right? Like, I watched the kindergartners all wearing the Disney princess dresses, right? That was, that was me. I was wearing the dress to school every day. I was, you know, a girly girl having to be good at math and science. And, and a lot of people don't see that as, like, two things that, like, are interrelated. Exactly. So, like, that can't just, like... be the same person, right? Yeah. That, and so my... You know, my mom wanted me to, like, you know, be the girly girl, grow mm-hmm. up, you know, meet your Prince Charming, get married, have kids, right? Like, this yeah. was a little... Live the fantasy, essentially. Like, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, be the princess of your own household, right? Even if you're not, not the princess overall. And by the time I got to grad school, basically, the, um, the attitude had switched. So mm-hmm. Scripps was a very, very male-dominated institution. Scripps, okay. Um, institution of Oceanography. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but very much an old boys club and when I got there they had just been losing female graduate students at an alarming rate they'd Mm -hmm. had um you know they had about like 10 percent of their students were women and they'd lost like half of those so they'd gone down to like you know 10 percent they had 10 people they lost five of 10 right so it wasn't a huge number but it was a large percentage Mm -hmm. um they were leaving and um and so they decided again you just if you think yeah, my mom was just trying to help me navigate yeah. the world as she saw it. For sure. And they were trying to help me navigate the world as they saw it. And um, and so their um, their mechanism was you have to um, – that we want we want you to stay, so let us give you some good advice. Okay. Um, and so just an, an anecdote um, was, you know, one of the senior professors, you know, during retirement saw me um, – I was running off to go talk to um, a meeting on, like, how to talk to the media. Okay. And he's like, where are you off to? I'm going to talk to the media. He's like, why are you going to talk to the media? That's not going to help you do anything. You shouldn't talk to the media. I'm like, okay. He's like, he's like, you know, you actually have some potential. You need to focus on research. He's like, you shouldn't be teaching. You shouldn't be talking to the media. And you shouldn't fall in love. And I was like, what? Why should <laughs> All I? All those together. <laughs> All right. <laughs> why should you not fall in love? And, um. And he's like, because, you know, you, you fall in love, you're going to want to follow your boyfriend somewhere, you're not going to do what you need to do, you need to focus on the research. So like, yeah, and I presume I can't have kids either, right? <laughs> Just oh, being sarcastic. That, yeah. he's, and he's dead serious, and he says, absolutely not. My, I'm like, but you have kids. He said, well, yeah, my wife stayed home with the kids. You can't afford to do that. You can't have kids. You need to focus mm. on the research because you have potential. You can actually be successful in this. Oh, you can actually be successful <laughs> in this. <laughs> I mean, really, like, just two very contrasting points of view from yeah. different worlds mm-hmm. of um, who you have to be. But again, like in both cases, it's like, you have to hide half of who you are oh, to yeah. be successful in the other half of who you are. Did and I don't think it's true. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, did you feel like there's there was, like, reasons why, like, there was such a big difference? Like, maybe perhaps, like, there wasn't enough, like, female role models in your life in the way that were, like, who, like, you were? You know, one to be part princess, part genius. <laughs> like, why can't you be part princess and part genius? <laughs> like, what's... Yeah, so, like... Yeah, I think... 
It was a lack of role models. So um, at Scripps, there were female professors, mm-hmm. but um, I think there were, and they actually had a little booklet, which I might even find somewhere on my shelf. They, they were trying. So they had a okay. booklet of like, these are women in oceanography. Here's mm-hmm. a booklet of women in oceanography. And you would go through it, and each of the successful women in oceanography had followed those rules I just laid out. They were single. They didn't have kids. Mm -hmm. They focused on their research. They weren't very good teachers. (laughs) They weren't, in general, I mean, in general, they weren't talking to the media. They were showing this was the way you got through. There was was one woman who um, had had a child she was divorced from her husband mm. and they had joint custody and so her child only lived with her half of the time and lived with dad half of the time okay and um she was probably the most um accessible <laughs> yeah but it i mean they all looked like they had give they had made major sacrifices mm-hmm. to be who they were i mean to be successful in that career and it was really to me the constant question was you know this seems fun i like science Mm-hmm. I was picking in Yosemite, right? That was my goal in life. This was mm-hmm. great. But, like, what's the price, right? Do I have to yeah. give up what it means to be <laughs> a female, essentially? A girl and a mom. And yeah, all a girl I and a mom. I mean, our biological imperative is to reproduce. So <laughs> yeah. I guess you wanted to do that. <laughs> but, yeah. So, did you end, you ended up having kids? They're all over there, yeah. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> Two boys. <laughs> Two boys. So, did you have them in grad school? Or after? No, I had them here, and okay. um, and I remember having a conversation with my advisor at one point. So I was um, I was trying to get through grad school, and I would give him a paper to read, and he would take a very very long time <laughs> to read it. Or I'd given him one, and it taken a month to go by. Oh and my god. I went and I said, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you read this paper? He's like, why are you in such a rush? I'll get mm-hmm. to it when I get to it, just do something else. I said, no, I need to graduate. He's like, why are you in such a rush to graduate? I have funding, you can just take another year to graduate. And I said, I said, no, I want to have a family and children. I can't have children until after I get tenure. Therefore, I'm here right now. This is my current age. If I graduate this year, I can then get a postdoc. It'll take me two more years. Then I can get a professor position. Then I need six years until I come up for Mm -hmm. tenure. That's 10 years. Within 10 years, my biological clock will be here. If I want to have a child by the time I'm 35, so I don't have increased health complications, I need to graduate next year. Therefore, you need to read my paper. And he just, his jaw dropped. Oh my God. I love how persistent you were. He was like, were. okay. <laughs> like, it just didn't dawn on him that my biological clock mm-hmm. was ticking, that I had done the math, that I yeah. needed to finish my PhD promptly. If, because I, basically the way I read the situation was to be successful means to be promoted, to get mm-hmm. the professor track. But yeah. that once you got tenure, you were pretty safe. Yeah. So if you waited till you got tenure and had kids. Then you're good. Then you were safe in the system. Yeah. That was how I read it, and that was the way I played my cards. Mm-hmm. So just a mm-hmm. little bit back to mm-hmm. female role models in your life. I remember you mes- you mentioned Eve Ruskin. Yeah. So mm-hmm. can you tell me your relationship with her, like how she helped you? Yeah, yeah. So um, so when I first, first came here, um, there were very, very few people over in this building. They hadn't hired anybody in quite a while, so I was part of, right now we're hiring a lot of people, and the mm-hmm. culture of the department has changed. But I was one of the first to be hired in the younger cohort, and there was there's, then there's a gap where like no one had been hired for over ten years. So there okay. were no there were no role models just slightly older mm-hmm. than me. There were a lot of role models who were a lot older than me. Okay. And within my group, um, there were you know two senior males who were um, sort of mentoring me. Neither of whom had any children, at all. Okay. <laughs> and um, you know their sort of motto was you know you you stay late, you work fifty hours a week, you you know. 
Yeah. Th- this is this is the way things work, and we're going to mentor you so you can be <clears throat> successful at academia. Mm-hmm. And you know, these are the choices they made. And um, you know, I was you know brand new trying to learn the ropes yeah. of how did UW work, and feeling just completely overwhelmed. Where they would say, you know, you you need to teach a class that was you know what was it? It was like four hours of lecture a week plus eight hours of lab a wow, week plus that's a lot. T- plus, like, I was having to come up with all the um, all the notes off the you know, top of my head, plus this, mm. you need to be writing grants. That, I was like, I just, I don't know how to do this. Mm. Why are they telling me to do this? And um, Eve was running, basically, Advance um, has a mentoring lunch series yeah. for professors, where they mm. basically just bring in senior women who basically talk about their life story, and then everyone can listen and ask questions. Nice. And um, there's a lot of just, you know, people saying, this is how I got to where I am. You know, these were the the things that helped me and hurt me along the way and just just a lot of you know people being insane and so um and so I knew Eve from that and I was really feeling um just quite lost I'd also um <coughs> when I got the position here um they told me that um my my significant other was um on the east coast at the time yeah and because we weren't married they weren't going to negotiate anything for him that there would not be a position for him here. So I was by myself. Okay. He was on the other side of the country. We didn't know what was going on. And my role models just didn't have anything. What I wanted to be, and so I went and talked to Eve, um, mm-hmm. and she um, and, and she said, no, it's okay, you push back. Like, you don't have to attend every one of these labs. You tell yeah. your TA to attend all the labs. I don't yeah, know why yeah. people are telling you to attend the lab. You can do this. You can leave at 5 o'clock. You can go do something else in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And you can have a life, it's okay. You're allowed to have a life. You're allowed to be a professor. These guys have made their decisions. They don't have to be your decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's got two sons. You know, she's got pictures of her kids all over yeah. her office, right? <laughs> and she said, you know, don't give up. You can do this. And then um, later when it came time, it's a long story, which I won't get into, to mm-hmm. negotiate um, a position for my significant other to come here. She also really helped and said um basically I was negotiating with at that point we had a chair from far away who's gone again um who said like we don't need to negotiate for him because you don't have another job offer and you would never like leave academia just to be with your significant other that's silly and basically Eve said no a woman would like it actually is equal waiting for somebody to want to be with their significant other versus be successful you know that that yes it is a real risk that we could yeah. lose this and professor. And why are they making you pick? Like, that kind of bothers me. It feels like they made you, like, at least led you to, like, needing to pick between your career and your family. Which... And that was how I felt, like, multiple times throughout yeah. my life, that, like, you know, it's sort of in, in junior high and high school was, like, you know, do you want to have a boyfriend? Do you want to have, you know, do you want to be popular? Yeah. Don't do math and science. And then switching to, do you want to be good at math and science? Don't actually... Yeah, <laughs> a family or a boyfriend. Like that the whole life was picked, which yeah. I don't think is true. You don't like a dichotomy. Yeah. Like, wow, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. All of that <laughs> it's really hard. Did you? Um, well, I guess like just towards other women. Like, where do you think STEM is heading for women today? I think it's heading to being much more rounded. I think okay. there's less of the woman in STEM looks like the men in STEM to the woman in STEM looks like. Mm-hmm any woman you might yeah. meet on the street, right? That she's not 
some weird oddity, right? That, yeah, yeah. Like, this could be this could be anybody that mm-hmm. it's it's okay um that it's okay to have children i think what's also changing that really has made a difference is that within my age cohort mm-hmm. most of the men have working wives yeah right that, that the people who are giving me advice had stay-at-home wives like mm-hmm. they really didn't see how a family could work with two working parents yeah and i think that you know everybody's role has blended that right now we I was on the forefront of people we're hiring. We've hired a whole lot of people. This entire hallway is full of people with, you know, kids same size as mine at home. Yeah. Everybody's leaving to pick up from daycare. Guys, girls alike. There's no There's no difference. No difference, right. Yeah. And that's what not what it was like before. It's for you not at least. No, and I think the, the big difference again was there what that the prior generation had more stay at home moms. There was a role of moms. Girls, females. Girls were sp- that you needed a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand at times yeah. <laughs> why you would want one, right? <laughs> you know, being a mom is a job unto itself. But I think that, you know, historically, like, you watch Leave it to Beaver, right? There's mm-hmm. the mom who stays home and takes care of the kids. You know, sort of the 50s mentality. Yeah. Dad goes to work. That we're really um, bearing on both mm-hmm. you know, both women's <laughs> roles in and out of academia. That, like, if you were in STEM, you were you were the male's role and you had to give up the female's role. They were so far apart you couldn't do both. And I think right now everything is blended and mm-hmm. you could be... It's more... I feel... And it's, like you said, more well-rounded. I think, yeah, it's more okay to be whoever you are wherever on the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, it's great to do science and not have kids, right? Especially, but it's your choice, yeah. right? Like, if you want kids, have kids. You don't have kids. Mm-hmm. When the more role models you have, the more... Yeah. Like, maybe I don't want to be like that woman, but I could be like that woman, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that... You can, like, look up to. You can look up to and and see as role (laughs) models as opposed to, you know, the two ends (laughs) of the spectrum. (laughs) So as we're heading towards the end of the podcast, I just want to ask you if there's any, like, last comments you want to leave out to the daily podcast listeners, (laughs) (laughs) to future STEM people, male or female? Female. Uh, It's okay to be yourself, (laughs) however however that may be. (laughs) And if anybody tells you not to be yourself... Find someone else to talk to. Yeah, that's good advice. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much, Jessica. To all the listeners out there, this is Jessica Lundquist, and she's a professor of civil and environmental engineering. This was our third podcast for women in STEM, and we will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jessica, for coming in. You're welcome.